Welcome back. Welcome back to RUF. Two quick announcements. Um, just a reminder about the retreat. It's this weekend, and I've had some people saying, is it too late to sign up? No, it's actually not too late to sign up. You can sign up uh, tonight, and so just come to the meeting if you decide that you want to go, and we'll get you all the information that you need. So just a reminder about that, and for those that are going and have signed up, we'll meet for a few minutes. I'll give you the information, and it'll be opportunity for you to uh, pay and make a payment for the conference fee. The other thing, if you notice on your announcement sheet, there is an announcement about music. And so that is for those that are interested in maybe being a part of the RUF music team, what we're, you see up here on Wednesday nights. Uh, let me make a comment. If you feel skilled in your particular instrument, that would include your voice, and you feel comfortable, uh, then we, and you, that's something that you have time for, then we would invite you to come to that meeting and hear a little bit more about the time commitment and what's involved in being a part of uh, the RUF music team. One of the things I've appreciated about Peyton uh, over the last year and I guess month now uh, is his willingness to get folks involved. And so if that's something, uh, again, music is your thing and you have a skill there and you're comfortable there, uh, up here, then we would invite you to at least come and hear more about it. So that's next Wednesday after RUF. All right, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. That's near the front of your Bible, actually the second book of your Bible. We have been going through this semester... We've been doing a study on the Ten Commandments. And our hope is, is that as we go through this study, that we're actually changing the way we think about the Ten Commandments. My hope is that we're actually seeing not that the commandments are a list of do's and don'ts, and not as a way of God trying to keep us from having all of the fun, but my hope and prayer for us this semester and the driving really theme I hope that you hear this semester, and I've mentioned this several times, is that we would actually see the commandments as gifts from God. Not as something that God's trying to keep us from having all the fun, but a, a way that God has given us a gift to show us how life works best. Gifts from God that show us what it really means to thrive in the world in which we live. Tonight we come to the third commandment. The first commandment dealt with the necessity of relating to the one true God instead of relating to our idols. The second commandment dealt with, deals with, that we talked about last week, dealt with how we relate to God and how we interact with God. The third commandment shows us tonight as we're going to see that our relationship with God must be maintained. That it must be looked at on a continual basis. And we do that by continually looking at our relationship and giving God respect, the respect that he deserves and avoiding hypocrisy. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And with that in mind, let me read the commandment that we're looking at, it's actually verse 7, Exodus chapter 20. This is God's holy 
and inspired word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me pray for us before we begin. Jesus, we come and uh, it seems so routine uh, uh, to pray before the sermon, but that's really not why we do it. We do it because we cry out and we really need your help. Uh, Because without you enlightening our eyes through your spirit, uh, without you applying this commandment to our heart, um, nothing of lasting, eternal value or change will happen in our lives. And so we ask you to come uh, to use this commandment to, as you tell us your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, would you uh, pierce us with uh, the word in a sense tonight. Convict us and change us, but also encourage us uh, with the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The third, the third commandment defends the honor of God's name. And look at, if you look at your Bible, and you can look back if you have it open, you can look back at the other two commandments. Unlike the first two, The third commandment, it actually changes, doesn't it? Because God refers to himself in the third commandment, unlike the other two, in the third person. Did you notice that? Rather than saying, you shall not take my name in vain, what does God say? He he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Notice in your Bibles that the word Lord is in all caps, isn't it? Anytime we look at our Bibles and we see the word LORD in all caps, the radar should go up because God is trying to call special attention to something. He's trying to tell us very, something very significant about His name. When God uses all caps, He's calling attention to the special covenant name, to the special personal name of God, which is Yahweh or LORD. Think about it. When someone gives you their name, it is an act of intimacy, isn't it? When you give someone your name, you are are inviting that person to get to know you. So think about this for a second. How huge is is it that God gives us his name? He gives us his name, and in a sense, he is invite. It's an act of intimacy. And he is letting us know who he is, and at the same time, he is inviting us to get to know him on a personal level. Absolutely incredible that God would give us his name and invite us to know him personally. And we don't have time to do this, but if we spent time unpacking the personal name of God, Yahweh, it would become obvious very, very quickly that there is so much more here than simply a name. That it's actually God's identity. That by using his name, he is representing his entire reputation. And if you think about our name and your name, it is our, our, our identity too, isn't it? Think about names. Name, your name identifies you in the world. Over the last few weeks, you have met tons and tons of people, haven't you? And one of your biggest fears 
is that you're going to walk by someone that you should know and that you have met and not remember their name, or worse, actually call them by the wrong name. Names are important because they reveal your identity in the world. One of my favorite things to do as a campus minister is weddings. And one of my favorite parts of the wedding ceremony is that the very end, after it's really all said and done, and I tell the couple to turn and to face the congregation, and then I say, I introduce them for the very first time, and I'll say, now I want to introduce you for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. fill-in-the-blank. You know, what's intriguing about that is at that moment... The man and the woman are saying that we are so united that we are basically taking the same name. The groom is saying to the wife, all that I have is yours. And the wife, by taking the name of her husband, is saying, I identify with this man. Not just with his checkbook, not with just his address, not just his bedroom. I am identifying with him all the way down to his name. So what's the point of this introduction? The point is this. Names are a really big deal, aren't they? Because names reveal our identity to the world. And so now it makes total sense, doesn't it, why God gives us the third commandment. Because at first, you would think, what's the big deal about a name? Well, God says it's a really big deal. And that's why he gives us the third commandment because he wants us to honor his name and he wants us to represent his name rightly in the world. Tonight, the idea is this, the main idea. God's name is important. And because God's name is important, we are to guard his honor and his reputation not only with our speech and how we talk about him, but we are to honor God's reputation by the way we live our lives. And the question then is, how in the world do we do that? Two two ways, two points tonight. We honor God's reputation and guard his honor and reputation by, first of all, listening closely to our words. And secondly, we're going to see we do that We guard his honor and reputation by watching our lives and how we live very closely. Let's look at number one, listening to our words. You know, it's interesting as I was studying this passage this week, it's interesting that this third commandment, has how it's been applied within the Jewish tradition over the years. In the Jewish tradition, it has been taken to mean that we are to avoid using the name of God altogether. Over the years, Orthodox Jews, in fact, refuse to mention the name of God because they are so afraid that they are going to misuse it when they speak of Him. But that is actually, a closer look is actually taking the commandment a little too far. Because think about it this way. God wants us to use His name. How do we know? Well, one evidence of that is the name of God is used nearly 7,000 times in the Old Testament alone. And so the commandment here, the third commandment, is not that we shouldn't use the name of God. The third commandment 
wants us to use the name of God rightly. In other words, it doesn't prohibit us from using God's name. The, the warning here is against misusing God's name. I hinted at this earlier, but in the ancient Near Eastern culture, a name, and really for us as well, I think, it, a name reveals something extremely personal about a person, and it represents who you are. Think about it. When you misuse or speak against someone's name, you're speaking against them, aren't you? That's how connected they are. Or on the other side, when you praise someone's name, you're doing what? You're actually praising that person because their name is a representation of who they are. So the question is, let's apply this. How does this third commandment and us violating it actually manifest itself in this room? How does it manifest itself in our lives? How are we misusing and speaking against the very name of God in our own lives? Well, there are lots of ways that we do this, but here are a few. First, and the most obvious way that we misuse the name of God is through cursing. And I'm not talking about, and it's not talking about, dropping the F-bomb. What the commandment is getting at is when we use GD and Jesus Christ in annoyance, in frustration, in anger, when it seems to just fly out of our mouth and off of our lips. And the reason why it is so big, big of deal when we use God's name in this way as a curse and, and when it simply just flies out of our mouth is because it shows us how little we really think of God. Some of you are saying, Jason, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, come on, lighten up. I mean, is it really that big a deal? I mean, when I swear, I don't mean anything by it, and it just simply comes out of my mouth, and it's nothing serious. But see, you must understand that is the problem. And that is specifically what the third commandment is getting at. The third commandment forces us to ask, how can we claim to know this great God and yet use His name so flippantly? yet use his name so carelessly and lightly and thoughtlessly. You want to know the truth? You can't. You see, the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible says that what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart. And so when we talk carelessly about the name of God and flippantly and thoughtlessly, basically what it's really saying is that the truth is deep down in our hearts, Jesus doesn't really matter to us. That's an obvious way. But that's not most of you because most of you are more socially uh, savvy, if you will, and you wouldn't break the commandment in that way. And so what's another way that we might break this commandment? Well, we break the third commandment whenever we trivialize the name of God. How do we trivialize the name of God? Well, we trivialize the name of God when we use phrases like, Oh my Lord, good Lord, oh my God, Jesus, 
We trivialize the name of God when we turn the name of God into a cheesy slogan in order to make a lot of money. You've probably seen the shirt or maybe um, you've heard of the shirt that says, This blood is for you, which is a play on the Bud Light commercial, This Bud is for you. Since when has the name of Jesus, the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus become a cute phrase? Since when is it funny to turn Jesus' name into a cheap laugh in order to make a dollar? You see, whenever we sloganize and use slogans and talk about Jesus' name in that way, we trivialize it and we break the third commandment. Misusing the third commandment also happens when we over-spiritualize. What do I mean by that? This is probably the most prominent way in which we break the third commandment. And it's actually what's going on in Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus says here basically, that there are false teachers out there that are using his name in order to sound spiritual and are using his name in order to be right. How does this manifest itself in our own lives? What manifests ourselves? We see it in this God told me so talk that is often so prevalent in Christian circles today. For example, ladies. Let's say you've been dating a guy for a while. Things are going great. You're having the time of your life. And you go out on a particular date and you have a great time. You end the date. You think, man, things couldn't be better. Two days go by. You hear nothing from the guy. No phone call, nothing. No text message. Well, finally, you get a phone call from him. And he says, you know, we need to talk. And so you're like, sure, well, let's talk. I, you know, I miss hearing from you. And he says, all right, I'll meet you in the Grove and we'll talk. So you go to the Grove and you start talking. And before long, the guy kind of backdoors you and says, you know, I really like you a lot. And things have been going really, really well, but I've been praying for a while about this relationship. And God has told me to what? Fill in the blank. God has told me, God has told me to break up with you. Friends, you can't say that. Seriously. Where did God tell you that? What did His voice sound like? Where do you know this information from? You see, it might be true, yes, that you need to break up. It might be true that your relationship's unhealthy and actually is violating the principles that God has laid down in Scripture. But man up and say, I just don't want to date you anymore. Man up and say that this isn't going anywhere rather than dragging God into the conversation and actually using Him in that way. In other words, the third commandment prohibits us from playing the God card 
Ladies, next time you get that response from a guy, you need to say, God told me, I've been praying, and God told me that we need to get married. (laughs) And then you all can hash it out on whose God's talking to who. Listen, I know I'm trying to be funny, but here's the point. It refuses to let us play God as a trump card. It refuses us in this commandment to use God to have power over other people and remove the responsibility for ourselves. When we use God's name in this way, we use His name and authority in a place that he hasn't given, us, given it to us to use. It reminds me of a regular occurrence in our house. At the, end of all, at the end of July, we actually took our girls, you know, I've got all girls, we took them to the American Girl Doll store. Anybody ever been there? It is madness. <laughs> and we had, we'd planned this ahead of time. We had each given the girls an allotted amount of money to spend on their accessories. You know, you can buy everything for an American Girl doll. Uh, for an American Girl doll, and so we gave them money. They had actually looked at the magazine ahead of time, so they knew kind of what they wanted to spend their money on, and they had knew that they knew that they wanted to divide it up so that they could actually share the accessories with one another. And so you know where this is going. <laughs> We're back in Oxford, and now they're constantly fighting over the accessories. And who's getting certain accessories? I recently heard Elizabeth, she's my five-year-old, say to my three-year-old, Ann Wright, Ann Wright, Daddy told me to tell you (laughs) to give me that toy. What's the problem with that? I never said that. I never said that to her. What is Elizabeth doing? She's using my authority to have power over her sister. She's using my name and bringing me into her wicked little selfish schemes to get what she wants. She's misusing my name and my authority. And when we do that with God, we are breaking the third commandment. Colin Smith says this in his book, The Ten Struggles, The Ten Greatest Struggles in Your Life. It's really interesting because it helped me to see this in a new way, in a more personal way. He says that God takes it personally when we misuse his name, just like you and me would take it personally when someone does that to us. Look at the second part of the third commandment. It says, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now listen, that sounds really, really harsh to me, doesn't it, you? It sounds really strong, but think of it this way. Not a one of us in this room is going to stay in a relationship in which you're constantly belittled, in which you're constantly ignored and taken for granted. You see, that's what God's getting at. God's making it explicit that you will not approach Him in this way. And if we do, we are sadly mistaken. So, how do we guard God's honor and reputation? Well, the first way we do it is by listening closely to how we talk about God and how we use His name. And the second way is we watch our life closely. If we call ourselves Christians, if you are a Christian and you're in this room tonight, 
That means that you bear the name of Jesus. That means that you carry the name of Jesus around with you. In other words, your reputation reflects on his reputation. How you live reflects how he is pictured and revealed in the world around us. Think of it this way. I've been here a little over a year, and it's been amazing to me to see this something very unique about Mississippi. Everyone in Mississippi is connected, aren't they? When I first got here, someone described it to me, and they said, here's all you need to know, Jason, about Mississippi. It is just one big small town. And I I was like, what does that mean? I had no context for that statement. A year later, I do have context for that statement. Because the minute you meet a person, the Mississippi shuffle begins, doesn't it? In which you're trying to find a connection with the person that you are in dialogue with. And almost always the questions go like what? Who are you? Where are you from? And who are your people? And what that shows us, those those of you that are from Mississippi and those that are outsiders that have moved into Mississippi, maybe you've experienced that, but it shows you that your name goes with you wherever you go. And that it's not long in a conversation with someone. And again, I'm generalizing here, but it seems like before the conversation ends, the other person has made a connection with you. They know your grandmother. They know your father. They know your mother. They know your sister. They know someone that knows you. And their reputation affects you. And your reputation affects them. You see, there is a great heritage, isn't there? that comes with a family name. You carry a family name with you, and it can be a great blessing, or it can bring lots of shame upon you. If you carry the name of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, and you have faith in him tonight, you have a name that has been placed on you, and that name is Christian. And how you live reflects... On Jesus, because we and because you bear his name. You see, the negative expression of this commandment is against, this is what I'm getting at, it is against hypocrisy. It really pushes back against us living hypocritical lives. What is a hypocrite? A lot of people are confused about the definition of that term. Here's the definition of a hypocrite. It is putting on a false appearance of religion or virtue. It's basically being a sham. Being a hypocrite is not, and this is, I need to be clear, we need to clear this up, it is not struggling in your faith. Being a hypocrite doesn't mean that you, ever, that you don't struggle. It doesn't, because when you struggle, you repent of your sin, you confess them. Maybe you've sinned against someone else, you confess it to that person. That's not hypocritical. A hypocrite is someone who puts on a front. Tim Keller says, and he's talking about Matthew chapter 7, that was read earlier, that that's actually an explanation of the anatomy of hypocrisy. And then Keller goes and actually explains three features of hypocrisy. We're going to look at those real briefly. First of all, 
If you look at your text printed before you, hypocrites can have correct doctrine. Hypocrites can have correct doctrine. Look at verse 21. Notice they call Him Lord. It's the covenant name for God again. Yahweh. And so, they know God's, they know Jesus' identity. They know that He is God. They have an orthodox understanding of who Jesus is and what He's done. They know the right things, but in the end, they are shown to have no spiritual reality in their heart. And Jesus says, away from me. I never knew you. Friends, that is a huge warning to us tonight. And it's an even bigger warning to me. I have a master's degree in doctrine. And Jesus is saying to us that we can so have identified with Jesus that we can have His doctrine and know who He is, that He's the Son of God and He came for the sins of the world, but yet not really know Jesus with our heart and with our life. Secondly, hypocrites, if you look at the passage, can have a deeply emotional experience. Look at verses 21 and 22. Anytime you see the word Lord or any word repeated in the Bible, it's the, way, the Bible's way of putting italics on it. You and I might underline, put a circle, a box around it, a star around it. But in the Bible, if you wanted to show that you really meant something, then you simply said it twice. That's what Jesus is doing. And it shows us that Jesus is deeply passionate about what he's saying here in Matthew chapter 7. He's saying to us that there will be people in the end that are deeply emotional about their regret. He is saying that there will be people in the end that during their lifetime they were enthusiastic for Jesus. That there will be people at the end that are enthusiastic that actually sing songs about Jesus with tears in their eyes and yet had no spiritual reality. And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Thirdly, hypocrites are involved in lots of religious activity. Look at verse 22 again. Look at all the stuff that they do. They're teachers and preachers of the Word. They have fruit coming out of their ministry. They even cast out demons, it says, that they had done mighty acts of God. People were repenting of their sin and coming to faith under their influence. And yet, even with all of the religious activity, Jesus sums up their relation, His relationship with them by saying what? I never knew you. Matthew chapter 7 shows us, friends, that one of the ways, and this is frightening to me, one of the ways that we can break the third commandment is by doing things in our own name. Whose name tonight are you really living for? Who are you really doing all of the religious activity and Christian things that you do? Who do you do that for? Are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it for God's glory? If you couldn't put down your religious involvement and activities on your resume or on your grad school application, 
Would you still go on the mission trip? Would you still be involved in the ministries and activities that you're involved in? Friends, Jesus, again, is not talking about awareness in this passage. Jesus is saying that there was no mutual knowing between them. To put it in terms of relationships, since we've talked about that a lot, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I want to be married to you. I don't simply want to date you. Jesus is saying, if you want to identify with me, then you've got to be all in. And whether or not you're all in is determined by how you live your life. How you determine on whether or not you are all in with Jesus is proved by your conduct. It's proved by how you live. You see, the truth of the matter is this. Is that the third commandment is sweeping, isn't it? It can conceivably include this commandment of any disobedience whatsoever towards God. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that there is not a person in this room right now, including me, that isn't extremely uncomfortable. And so what do we do? I mean, how do we go about chipping away at taking God lightly in our speech and in our conduct? How do we go about rooting that out of our lives? Here's how you do it. You have to know that on the cross, Jesus treated you as if you supremely mattered. You have to know that as the great hymn of the faith says, Christ regarded your helpless estate and gave His own blood for your soul. Or as we sang earlier in the hymn, that He bore the dreadful curse of sin for you. You have to come to a place where you realize that on the cross, Jesus bore your name. And it's only as we understand that Jesus bore our name that we will ever bear His name in the world around us. It's only as we grasp how much we matter to God that God will ever really matter to us. And so what happens when we start to grasp that? Well, we start to respect Him with how we talk and how we use His name. And then we start to replace the false parts of our soul with reality. You see, could it be that the reason why you have failed so miserably in your struggle with hypocrisy is because you have forgotten how much you really matter to God. You think about that. Let's pray. Father, as we think about the third commandment, we first want to just say we're so sorry and ask you to forgive us 
Because there's not a person in here that can say that they haven't broken this commandment. Father, would you forgive us for taking your name so lightly and so flippantly and trivializing your name and using it in places where you've never given us the authority to use it in ways that we misuse it. We ask that you would, uh, Father, forgive us. Father, but more than that, would you change us and help us to truly change so that we might, we might be able uh, to live differently with our lives, that they might truly reflect your name. Father, remind us as we sing this last song of how deeply we're loved in Jesus, how deeply the gospel uh, actually has application to us in this area of the third commandment. Convince us, Lord, of how much we matter to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.